0: Genesis chapter number 18, and uh, there certainly is no normal right now, but uh, I'm thankful that uh, we know what the Word of God has to say. And I'm looking forward to looking into a familiar passage this morning, and I do appreciate your prayers, and hopefully I'll have enough strength to get through the day, Uh, but so many of our people are sick, and I do want you to be praying for one another, and certainly the things we've mentioned this morning, praying for our nation. And uh, one thing that I know is true, no matter what the day, no matter what the hour, no matter what the year, no matter what the period of time in history, uh, God is the same God, Uh, His Word is true, and this morning I believe there's some truths in the Word of God that we can hold to uh, that will help us in the days ahead. In Genesis chapter number 18, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 22, and we're going to read down through verse number 33, Uh, and this is a a fairly familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, We're going to find the conversation between Abraham and God concerning God's judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a great principle that I'm going to preach on this morning that I think would be a help uh, to all of us today. Certainly it would apply to situations we face today, but certainly uh, there is something that I think we can grab a hold of as Christians uh, that would would do us well as we serve the Lord in the future. Uh, Notice verse number 22, and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet. Before the Lord. Now let me stop right there and remind you of what's going on in this passage of Scripture. Uh, Abraham and Sarah have been uh, following the Lord. God has given Abraham a great promise, so he's going to make him a great nation. Uh, after taking matters into their own hands and, and trying to help God out, and God dealt with them and said, I don't need your help when I make a promise. I'm going to keep it. Uh, There were some visitors who came uh, to, and I almost preached on this this morning, uh, came to visit Abraham and Sarah. And uh, Abraham gets, tells Sarah, get, get, get things ready. We've got company. He goes to get some food to prepare. And these uh, angels sent from the Lord and, uh, to remind them of the promise and tells them that Sarah's going to have a child. And, and you know the story. She laughs uh, because of her age and how uh, there, was no, there was no possible way that she could have a child. And then God confronts her about that. And she, then she finally, yes, I did laugh, but we'd see that the issue of faith. And God reminds them that if I say something is going to take place, it's going to take place. And so now we have those individuals, and I find it very interesting, uh, those angels sent from the Lord, is they get they say, well, oh, God should we should we tell Abraham what you're going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah? Should we let him know? And we'll actually back up a, a, a little bit in verse number 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And then we come to verse 22. This is something important before we keep reading. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. If you, if you fast forward, if we were to look ahead to the next chapter, these men, these angels go into Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the story. They go, They find a lot. We know the things that took place there. But notice as they left in verse number 22, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So his angels are going to leave the presence of Abraham. And now it's Abraham and God. It's Abraham and Jehovah. Look at verse number 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to... Do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, that I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall like five of the fifty righteous, wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, if I, "'If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it.' And he spake unto him yet again and said, "Peradventure there shall be forty found there.' And he said, "'I will not do it for forty's sake.' And he said unto him, "'Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall thirty be found there.' And he said, "'I will not do it if I find thirty there.' And he said, "'Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there.' And he said, "I will not destroy it for twenty sake." And he said, "Oh, n- let not the Lord be angry." And I will speak yet, but this once, peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, "I will not destroy it for ten sake." And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Uh, we find the intercession between on behalf of Abraham with God. And I find this to be a very fascinating passage of Scripture, like uh, chapter 17 and 18 and 19. There's so much that takes place there. But I want to draw our attention to this passage of Scripture, and I want you to notice uh, several things this morning. We see in verse number 24, we see the the word peradventure. Abraham had already been told that God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham, there with God, the two of them. Abraham uses this word, peradventure, in verse number 24. We find it several times when he says, if there's 50. Or peradventure in verse 28, they're like five of the 50. Verse 29, peradventure. Verse 30, peradventure. Verse 31, peradventure. Verse 32, peradventure. That word peradventure can be summarized like this, and what was he saying? He was saying, what if? Okay, God, you're going to judge it, but what if there's 50 righteous? Well, what if there's 45? Well, what if there's 40 and 30 and 20? Well, God, we know you're going to judge it, but what if there's 10? 10? I find it very interesting that after God has declared that he's going to do something, Abraham was willing to ask the question, God, what if, what if you find, and we go through that whole list of his negotiation down to that 10. And this morning, I want to preach on that word, venture, or what if, let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that, Uh, you would allow the Word of God to speak to us. May the Spirit of God reveal His truths this morning. Father, I pray that uh, your people would be helped today. Uh, Once again, we ask that your uh, strength be upon your people today, your healing. And Father, uh, meet with us this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As we've already mentioned, God has uh, announced His judgment of Sodom. We find in this passage of Scripture the First example of intercessory prayer recorded in history. Abraham, on behalf of others, is making an appeal to God. I find it very fascinating that Abraham had this kind of a relationship and man is very quick to ask God for what we need. Ask God to give to us ask God to help us. And I'm thankful that I have a God that hears the prayers of His people. And let us never, never forget that God hears the prayers of His people. But I think it's very important for us to see uh, the greatness of Abraham. There's a lot of things this morning, if we had time to discuss the life of Abraham, we could talk about all of his faith, and certainly we've done that in in times past. But I find it here very fascinating that Abraham, one, had a relationship with God that he felt comfortable with just the two of them. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but how many of God's people don't feel comfortable with just them and God? He felt comfortable with just him and God and asking the question, God, what if? God, I know you've said, you've just just revealed to me, you are going to destroy these people for their wickedness. What if? He was willing to intercede on behalf of others when he had nothing at stake. God had already promised Abraham that he was going to make of him a great nation. If we were to read the preceding verses, God sent these angels to not only cast their judgment on on Sodom and Gomorrah, but to remind Abraham that God was going to do what he said, and Sarah was going to have a child, that God was going to keep his word. Abraham had received confirmation of the promises of God, but upon hearing of the judgment on another group of people, we find Abraham being willing to ask the question, what if? Peradventure, Lord. See, Abraham was willing to personally entreat on behalf of others to the Almighty God. This is something that, quite frankly, I think it comes to our attention at this time in our nation's history, but this is something that I feel that is missing from the life of the Christian even before today is the opportunity in our life, the awareness in our life, to ask God the question, what if? And what I mean by that is it's not, it's not questioning the sovereignty of God, it's not, it's not disputing what God has said, but being willing to at least have the conversation with God, that God can, can I offer a prayer, can Can I intercede to maybe you'll grant some mercy where really mercy is not deserved? Uh, And and this is the kind of praying that we need. Yes, when we have friends and family and loved ones who are sick, and we've done that kind of praying, God, on their behalf, would you intervene? On their behalf, uh, would you give healing? On their behalf, and certainly it gets God's attention when we pray to Him. And I want to remind all of us that this, this morning that when we go to God and say, God, I need you to intercede on my behalf, God hears us because of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful promise, and let me just encourage you, sometimes as as citizens, we feel like nobody listens to us, or we feel like, uh, you know, I've I've heard some of you talking about how just trying to get a hold of a doctor. You might as well uh, be, be, I don't even know how it was to describe this morning, you just can't even get a hold of a doctor nowadays, and sometimes that gets frustrating. But can I tell you, when you just utter a prayer to God, He hears you, you get through to Him. How much more does it get God's attention? When we say, God, peradventure, it seems like you have declared, or you have said that if this takes place, you are going to act this way. We certainly, in context of the scripture this morning, we find God's judgment being declared, and Abraham saying, God, what if there's 50? What if there's 45? He is offering an intercessory prayer, and Quite frankly, can I say this morning, oftentimes we pray to God on behalf of what we need, even when it comes to our own nation. God, this is what I want for me. This is what I want for my children. This is what I want for my grandchildren. I wonder if we went to God and said, God, what if? We offered prayer to the Almighty God this morning based on the intercession of others. This morning, there's some truths here that I'll get to and... When I'm done this morning, if we're done early, we'll, we'll go home. But I want us to understand this great principle, this great truth here, and the necessity of intercessory prayer. Uh, there's so much that could be said about this this morning and how needed it is. There's a lot of sick people who need somebody to pray for them. There are a lot of prodigals who need somebody To pray for them. Oh, I can testify, it's easy to get mad at them. What about praying for them? Uh, We need to pray for our nation today. A greater prayer than just who is and is not the president. God, would you intercede on behalf of our nation and really do the work that needs to be done in our nation Because, let's be honest, there needs to be some what-if conversations with God. On behalf of our loved ones, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of of those who we go to church with, and Abraham had a life and a relationship where he could say, paradventure, Lord. And I wonder what would take place if Christians across our nation would have the kind of relationship that just said, God, what if? Prepare adventure. Or I come to you today not to voice my frustration with something I'm dealing with, but can I ask you a what if? I noticed several things here. I'll say number one, intercessory prayer reveals a life of godliness. I, I made a point to highlight the fact, before I even read the scripture this morning, that in verse number 22, after so many things had taken place, and these visitors, these angels had come from God, after they left, it it was God and Abraham. Abraham was yet before the Lord. I want to draw your attention to several prayers that are recorded in the Bible. You think of David. And David offered some prayers of praise. And certainly, David reminded us in his prayers of praise that he is worthy to be praised. But David also offered prayers of repentance. And when it was just him in God, his sin came to the forefront, and he had to fall on his face and say, God, I have sinned. Forgive me. And I'm thankful that God answers those prayers too. But we don't find Abraham having to fall on his face before God when it was just the two of them in our text this morning. We don't find Abraham having to go through a list of getting things right with God so that he could ask on behalf of people he did not even know for God's mercy. Are you following me this morning? Now I'm afraid that we come to times in our life as Christians when somebody needs for us to offer a prayer on their behalf and we can't offer a peradventure prayer because there's too many things that we have to get right in our own heart before God would hear that kind of a prayer. And we find an intercessory prayer, we find a man who is a godly man. Was his faith perfect? No. No man's faith is perfect. Had he taken matters into his own hands and failed? Absolutely. But we find a man that had a short account with God, and it was just him and God, he felt very comfortable saying, God, what if? It reveals a life of godliness. Abraham had a long-standing relationship with God, and we come at times like we face in our nation today, and I wonder how many there are who can really pray a what-if prayer with God. How many could really say, God, on on behalf of others, I need you to intercede. And we have many who were sick today and and need God to intervene in their life. And the truth of the matter is, those times, those moments are going to come into the life of every Christian if we just live long enough where we need God to do a miracle. We need God to intercede. But do we live a godly enough life so when those moments come that we don't expect, and it's just us and God. Do we feel comfortable enough saying, peradventure? That's why, let me remind all of us this morning, that's why it's important for you and I to stay right with God. we got to stay right with God because He's worthy of that. we ought got to live a clean, holy life because He's worthy of that. Because we want to serve Him, because we want to please Him, because we want to honor Him. But there's also going to come a time when God, when others need on their behalf somebody to be able to have a relationship with God so they can say, peradventure, what if? But Abraham had a godly enough life where he felt very comfortable doing that. Well, you see so much going on in our, in our nation today, and there's so many who claim the name of Christ, and I wonder if they could have this conversation with God. We just need to do more praying, and I'm all for praying. But the first prayer you've prayed in the last six months is this prayer. I wonder how much is really going to get done. Well, if I don't know what I don't know about you, maybe I'm I'm different than you are. But I know when I enter into the presence of God and I say, God, I need to talk to you. The first thing the Spirit of God reminds me of is my failures, my shortcomings. My sin. Hey, before you talk to me about what you want to talk to me, the Spirit of God says, let me talk to you about what I need to talk to you about. This is why it is important for you and I as God's people to stay right with this book, to stay right with Him, because we don't know when we're going to get that call in the middle of the night of somebody we love and we care about that they need somebody to go to God and say, God, pair adventure. God, what if? God, can I intercede on their behalf? And it takes somebody who is living a godly, righteous life to be comfortable enough when it's just them and God. To say, God, let me have a conversation that maybe others won't have with you. That intercessory prayer reveals a life of godliness. Number two, we find an appeal to God's divine justice. I find this interesting and fascinating, and I want you to listen to me. I think this is going to help you this morning. He appeals to God's divine justice. Look with me in verse number 23, and bear in mind what, he was just told the previous verses God's heard the cry of the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah and he's going to go down and see if it's really that bad if it is he's going to deal with it Of course I'm paraphrasing there Abraham knows how bad Sodom and Gomorrah is He knows what's going to take place and He begins this conversation as the two of them are together in verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He begins to appeal to God's divine justice. He does not even begin his plea with, God, would you show some mercy on the wicked? God, would you change your mind? Because Abraham knows what the Bible tells us, that And we need to be reminded of today that God does judge wickedness. And God will judge wickedness. And we should not mistake His long-suffering, His mercy for a lack of His own justice. But notice the angle that Abraham comes. Will they also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Notice also in verse number 25 that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right? First of all, for Abraham to have this conversation with God just reiterates what we said first of all, that he had a godly relationship with him. But he begins to appeal to God's divine justice. You and I need to be reminded that God is a just God. And God will do justice. Even when man is guilty of injustice, God will be just. And even when, that's, why, that's why man never gets away with what he thinks he gets away with, because we have a, a just God. And eventually, God's justice is going to reign. But he asked this question, will you deal with the righteous as the wicked? God was not going. God was not going to punish the righteous just as he would the wicked because that goes against the nature of God. So he appeals to his divine justice. Yes, God, the wicked do deserve your chastisement, but what about the righteous? And let me just remind all of us in the midst of wickedness, God sees the righteous. God knows who are His own. God knows who belongs to Him, and all Abraham is pointing out. God, if you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, are you going to destroy the righteous that are there too? Are you going to destroy those that are that are the righteous? Are you going to? Uh, are you going? No. He appeals to His justice, knowing. That God would not destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. And can I remind all of us, God is a perfect God, God is a just God, God is a holy God, and no matter what takes place in our day, God, it is His nature, not He's always gonna take care of His own, He's always gonna provide for His own, no matter what takes place in our day. And all Abraham's saying, God, when you poured out your wrath, remember the righteous that are there. Pair adventure. Well, God, I'm not, I'm not challenging you on your divine nature of pouring out your wrath, but I just want to pose a question. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Abraham asked a question that he already knew the answer to. And I think it would help you and I in our intercessory prayer if we would appeal to that same nature of God. God, I want to remind you that there still are faithful people. Oftentimes, we pray on behalf of others, and I don't understand why God allows things to come into their life. God allows things for them to experience things that I, w- I don't understand. I know there's many times that I've prayed on many of your behalf. I said, God, uh, if there's anybody who deserves you to intercede on your behalf, it is this individual. They have been faithful to you. For years, there are prodigals that I pray for, and I ask God to grant them mercy because of the faithfulness of their mother, the faithfulness of their father. And What am I doing? I'm not saying that anything that an individual has done, God is not going to ignore. I just want to appeal to a divine nature, uh, the divine nature of God and say, God, if there's a way that you can grant mercy, can you do so because of the righteous? And I remind all of us, even in our great nation, That is, righteousness exalteth a nation. It's not a political party. In God's people, we should appeal to the divine nature of God based on the righteousness of God's people. A third thing I see in this passage this morning is this, that intercessory prayer is marked by a spirit of boldness. Christian, let me ask you this morning, those that are here, those that are listening on live stream, how, how, how timid are you with God? I don't mean we're flippant when we enter His presence. He's the Almighty. He's the Holy One. We're not worthy except through the Lord Jesus Christ. But because of the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can enter into His presence. And we are admonished to be bold in our request to our God. But I find something in the life of Abraham in this passage that I don't find in, quite frankly, a lot of other people. The willingness for Abraham to even have this conversation. And Abraham was willing when it was just him and God. And he had been in that situation before. He had depended on that situation before he had thrived in that situation before and by the way you and God that's not a bad place to be and and matter of fact as a people today us and God is not a bad place for us to be he was willing in making this prayer and asking this question what if he was very bold in his conversation with God He was very bold, and and I find it very fascinating. I can think back to when I was a child, and I've heard this story so many times, the fact that it started with 50. Well, God, if, if, if you find 50, peradventure, what if will you not destroy? And God says, you know the story, if I find 50. Most Christians, or should I say a lot of Christians, wouldn't have been so bold to even ask him for 50. But for those that would have been bold enough to say, God, there might be 50 people there who are righteous. Are you going to destroy them too? We would have been happy with God just saying 50. Not Abraham. Oh, you give me, you'd spare for 50? Well, what if, God? There's 45. Well, I'll spare it for 45. Oh how many Christians would have said, I've been bold enough with God? How many Christians say, oh, that's enough? And I, I believe there are, there, are, there are prayers that go unanswered on behalf of others because we're just not bold enough in our prayers with God. We're just not bold enough in our conversation with God. We don't feel comfortable enough with our God to be bold in our request and for God to move and for God to do and for God to heal and for God to convict and for God to give mercy and God to grant grace. We're just not bold enough to say, God, would you grant it if it peradventure, what if we find a boldness? He was bold. In his request, because he knew that God would have mercy on the wicked for the sake of the righteous. Think about that. Abraham knew God well enough to know how to ask what he wanted. Because God is not going to go against his own nature. And Abraham knew God well enough to know that if I'm going to ask for mercy, I need to know how to ask for it. And he knew the nature of God enough to know that God would not destroy the righteous just to punish the wicked. And he would give mercy and grace. Then he asked the question, the boldness was based on, Abraham's appeal to God as a father. Don't miss miss this. We think of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. How many of you are saved this morning? God is your Heavenly Father. Are there things in you would ask your father for that you wouldn't ask anybody else for? Are there conversations as you would have that perhaps somebody else would not have? I find it very interesting to me that Abraham speaks with boldness, appealing to the nature of God the Father. See, this intercessory prayer is marked by the spirit of boldness. You and I, we need to be bold in our prayers to God and in asking, no matter how that situation may apply. And this is just a good habit for you and I to be in as a Child of God. And yes, we ought to pray on uh, on behalf of our nation. We ought to ask for God's mercy and judgment uh, uh, and justice on behalf of our nation. But we must also ask on behalf of those that we know. And and today's a great example, a great opportunity for you and I to pray for the needs of others who may not be feeling well, who may not be doing well, and say, God, on, on their behalf, I want, I want to go on their behalf to you, but yes, uh, in, 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 in our life on a daily basis, we are, we got to look at the opportunity to have this bold conversation with God, and not just bold on what I need, but God on behalf of what if? What if, God? Can you imagine what might take place if there's a lot of Christians today that instead of Complaining in their frustration would just say, God, it's just me and you. I want to ask you a question. What if? Or peradventure? Because if I make this application to our nation today, I think America has earned the judgment of God. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my nation. I pray for my nation. It's the greatest nation on the earth. But America has earned the judgment of God. And, oh, we've been on borrowed time for a long time, but maybe instead of throwing up our hands this morning, we've got to go to our knees and say, God, what if? Prayer adventure. And whatever God decides, we must go to him and, and be willing to be bold in our prayers. And then number four, and finally, I don't want you to miss this. This intercessory prayer is limited by the sovereignty of God. Have you ever asked yourself, maybe maybe you haven't, I have, why did he stop at 10? Now, Abraham's a pretty good negotiator. We have gone from God's going to judge them, and then Abraham started with, God, what if there's 50? 45. And every time that Abraham petitioned God, God granted Abraham what he asked. Pretty fascinating to me. I I don't put myself in any category close to Abraham. If I'd have got, I'll be honest, if I'd have got 50, I, I think I might have been pretty happy with that. There's a chance. But Abraham said 45, 40, 30 all the way down to 10. And notice at the end of the chapter, we already read, but notice it. Verse 32, and he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And after God said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake, look at verse 33. And the Lord went his way. As soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned him to his place. When he said ten, God said, I'll grant it, for if there's ten, I'll not destroy it. The negotiations were then done. Why did it not go to five? Why did it not go to one? Would it not still appeal to the nature of God for him to spare, chastising the, the wicked, to spare one of his righteous? But there was something else in play that, if we're not careful, we'll overlook it. Because, as I mentioned, the fourth truth this morning, intercessory prayer is, is limited by the sovereignty of God. God was going to judge sin. And God is going to judge sin. You'll find examples in the scripture, uh, God's judgment is postponed. Sometimes because of the righteousness, the prayers of people. And I believe that can be true in our life today. But I want you to notice, and I'll tell you why, why I think. This is why I think the negotiations ended at 10. Because you can't appeal to God's divine nature. You can't appeal to His mercy and His grace. And I'm thankful that the God of justice is the God of mercy and grace. I'm thankful for that. When it gets down to 10, Abraham seemed to be satisfied with the 10 number, and God seemed to be satisfied with the 10 number. Let me tell you why I think that it stopped at 10. Because if you think back, Abraham had a nephew. His nephew's name was Lot. Lot. There was a day when Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, and Lot left the favor of God and took his family to this wicked place called Sodom. And if you were to read the next chapter, chapter 19, the the two men, the angels that left Abraham and went to Sodom, they come to Lot, and they tell Lot, Lot, get your family and leave, because God's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. God is going to destroy it. And you know the story well enough to probably know that he gets his... And in in, in verse number 12, The men said unto Lot, Hast thou there any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. (coughs) We know that they laughed at him as, as one that mocketh because Lot's life live nothing like somebody who would know anything about God and the judgment of God. We know that Lot took his wife and his two daughters. His wife ended up looking back, and so there was fewer than ten found in the city because we know this because God judged and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe that Abraham was able to negotiate this down, but there was a limit to the sovereignty of God because Lot was there and there should have been ten righteous in the city. There should have been ten just because if Lot had lived the way Lot should have lived, if Lot had governed his home the way he he should have governed his home, if Lot told others about God the way, you remember, Lot just pitched his tent, and Lot had no intention of becoming like them. Lot had no intention of changing his ways. He just wanted to go and have the benefits of living the lifestyle in Sodom and Gomorrah. But he could get it all the way down to 10, but God said, I can't go below 10 because then it would alleviate the responsibility that Lot had. And friend, I'm afraid there's a lot of prayers that Christians make asking God to alleviate their responsibility of what God expects us to do. We want God to intercede and we want God to withhold His judgment so that we are not accountable for what we are supposed to do as a child of God. We want God to, to rain down some, some, some moving of the Spirit and so men would automatically look to Him and, and receive Christ as their Savior instead of us fulfilling the command to preach the gospel to every creature. We want God to 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 stop the the, the efforts of others and to have an, an election come out in a certain outcome and do all of that because it would alleviate us of being the righteous, so that a nation can be elevated because of the righteous. And, and Abraham knew enough about God where he could not ask God to cover up what had been Lot's responsibility. And no, oh, I think you and I, we ought to learn from this intercessory prayer. And we ought to say, God, peradventure, what if? I'll use the example of prodigals today. There are many that, that I pray for. And I pray for God to grant mercy and I pray for God to grant grace and I, I pray for God to, to, to give mercy in a little time based on the prayers of their mother and based on the, the faithfulness of their father and, and, and based on all those who have invested in them. And, and I ask for grace and I ask for mercy on that behalf. But you cannot give your life to sin for decades and it not ended early. And I cannot pray the prayer of God, would you give them a long life because it would go against the very sovereignty of God who has said, you reap what you sow. Who has said that if, you, if you're not faithful, if you, if, if you dishonor your mother and father, you're going to shorten your life. I'm afraid many times we as a child of God, we spend our, our time praying prayers that God cannot answer because it goes against His his own sovereignty. I think we ought to intercede on behalf of others. I think we ought to pray those prayers, but we got to be very, very careful that we don't think an intercessory prayer alleviates our responsibility as a, as a Christian. I'll tell you the thing that I feel like we're in the greatest danger of as Christians in the day we live is exactly what I'm preaching this morning. There's a lot of Christians right now that if you ask them, they're terrified their religious freedom is going to be taken from them. But yet they hadn't darkened the door of a church in months. There, there's a lot of Christians who are afraid that their freedoms are going to be stripped away from them. But they haven't exercised them before God. God in a long, long time. And a prayer of desperation is a different prayer than a prayer of intercession. What we need on behalf of God's people this morning, and not just today, but quite frankly, we've needed it for some time, and we'll need it again in the future, whether it's dealing with our nation, or dealing with those who have needs among us, dealing with those that are away from God is... We need to have the kind of a relationship where we feel comfortable enough in God's presence to be able to ask God the question, what if? But truth of the matter is, too many Christians are refusing to deal with things in their own life, in their own heart, that they're unable to ever ask God the question, what if? I don't know how this relates to our nation today, but I do believe this. I believe that if enough Christians ask God the question, what if, everything's going to be okay. Does that mean that the president, it doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. Those are details. It just means everything's going to be okay. The question is not whether or not God will still hear his people. The question is, is there enough to have a relationship with God that's such to be able, they can even ask the question, what if? What if? Friend, this morning as we go to the invitation, there's somebody all of us know that need God to intervene in their life. We have many of our members in the hospital right now. They need somebody to talk to God on their behalf. We have many at home right now who really are sick enough to be in the hospital. They need somebody to pray to God on their behalf. But the truth of the matter is, Christians, we don't, we, when, we don't, when we don't pray, it's because there's something in between us and our God. So before we can pray on behalf of somebody else, we may have to deal with something that God has shined the light on in our own life that we need to get settled with Him. Oh, there's not a doubt in my mind that our nation needs prayer today. But we don't need the kind of prayer that would alleviate us of any responsibility of what we're supposed to do. That's like Abraham negotiating and saying, God, I I have to negotiate all the way down to 10. Let me just say, God, how about if you just find one? That would go against the sovereignty of God because Lot and his family were there. Or to say, God, would you just listen to me and just do away with your judgment? God wasn't going to do that. He could not do that. And the the same can be said in our day. God, would you grant some mercy? Would you grant some grace? But we need to be aware that there is some responsibility that falls on us. There's some responsibility that falls on those that that, that we're we're interceding on behalf of, that there's responsibility there as well. I think it would be a good time for all of us to, Lord, what, what, what what should I change about me? And then don't be afraid to ask the question, what if? What if? God, if if there's this, would you do this? Abraham trusted God enough to know that whatever God did would be right. But he still asked. Now we know that Sodom and Gomorrah was not spared. Lot and his family one of the saddest Saddest stories in the Bible. But Abraham, Abraham, I believe, could sleep with a clear conscience because he had done everything that he could possibly do. He asked the question I wonder how many prayers we've let go unprayed because we didn't realize that they needed to be offered. So this morning, why don't we evaluate our own standing with God? This is a very pointed question for all of us this morning, those listening online. We've been saying for months how pivotal pivotal the things in our world and our nation are. And they're not going to go away with results of a presidential election, no matter which way it goes. They're not going away. But I wonder if God made it to where the future of our country just depended on our prayers as an individual. How comfortable will we be this morning? Pray. I think sometimes we say, well, well, if everybody... No, what about you? How comfortable are you with your standing with God? First of all, if you're saved, you have standing with God. How comfortable do you feel just the angels have left? It's you and God. You have an opportunity now to ask the question. Peradventure, God. What if? What if maybe the Lord of this morning has put an individual on your heart that you should pray for? How's your standing? How's, it's just you and God. Well, somebody, the pastor will pray, maybe, maybe not, but if God has impressed them upon your heart, you should be praying for them, which means you need to make sure that your relationship is such with God, your fellowship is such with God that you can pray those prayers. Have you ever noticed how some seem to be granted more grace and mercy than others? Is it because God loves them more? No. It may simply be there's somebody asking God the question God, what if? What if? Peradventure. Father, I pray this morning that.